0: Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. It's Monday. I quit. You quit? Yep. Quit. Like what? Leviticus is too hard. Leviticus I'm is done. hard. i I, I don't even care. I can't understand it. But don't quit. Feels
1: like in a different language.
0: No. Okay. Tell it's me. It's not. It's in English. Why. We are reading the English standard version, in fact. Oh. Oh, look at that.
1: Yep. You're right.
0: Yeah. Still, it's hard. Yeah. It, no, it, listen, it is hard. And there are times when you're reading through the Pentateuch that, and this is. God we, bless you. We, <laughs> um. This is why, and we were just talking about this the other day. This is right around the time that a lot of people tap out on doing their daily Bible reading mm-hmm. because they're getting into the the texts that are hard to, to understand and difficult to grapple with. That's part of the reason why we're doing this podcast. So important. Is to to try to give you a couple things to hold on to to go, okay, I can walk away. I, I feel like I understand things a little bit better. Right. So um, keep going for a couple of reasons. Number one, this is the word of God. Oh. And 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It's good. says all scripture is breathed out by God. In other words, we use the word inspired, but it's it comes from the idea of God breathed, and that's why some translations take that approach in that text, which means that every word is from God, and so these these authors, as they wrote that, yes, they wrote with their own personality, yes, they wrote uh, with their own style, yes, they wrote to a specific group of people in a specific time facing specific issues, but what they wrote, the content of it was the words that God wanted them to write, and so that's important for us, and also important is when Timothy says that, or when Paul says that to Timothy, rather, he's talking about the Old Testament. Yeah, uh, predominantly at least. I mean, it's possible there were some some early books that were circulating at the time, but by and large, he's telling Timothy. We're talking about the Old Testament. That's in fact, right. he even says to Timothy, "You're well acquainted with the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation." Crazy. Again, there he's talking about the Leviticus 16, Old probably. Le- yeah, Day of Atonement, like we talked about yesterday. In yesterday's podcast. Mm-hmm. So, stick with it because it is God's word. Stick with it because it, it's it's important for us to know the full corpus of God's word. Mm. It's going to make you studying Leviticus is going to make a you a, the the body, the word that the corpus, the the, the, like the, 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 yeah, the the library, the, the, the seal? Yes, the porpoise. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a yeah, that's a seal. Porpoise is a dolphin. That's a dolphin. <laughs> what are we, I was like why does this <laughs> That's the dolphin. Yeah.
1: Oh mercy, you you never did do, not do expect that again. dolphin names. Never noises, do. Okay. Right?
0: So, um Reading Leviticus is going to make you appreciate Jesus more. That's true. Um, and we talked about that. Even in tongue-in-cheek, we said, man, I'm so thankful for Jesus as I read the, through Leviticus. If, if you're bogged down in the laws, let your mind be driven there. Be thankful for the cross. Be thankful that Jesus came so that you're not having to, to do as many of these things and, and, and have to, to focus on all of these things or have to earn your way to, to, to being in a right standing with the Lord. Um, and, and that's part of the purpose of the law, right? When we look at Romans seven, whether we believe that Paul was a a believer or an unbeliever in that instance, Mm -hmm. one of the things that Paul makes clear is, Hey, the law is is good regardless because the law revealed my need for Jesus. That's right. That's one of the main arguments here. And so as you read through Leviticus, be reminded of those, those things and be encouraged and, and just trust that, man, this is going to help you better understand Jesus. The more you spend time in his word. I dare say that you can tell by and large Christians
1: who have read Leviticus, the Bible, the the passage that we're in right now, versus those who haven't. I think it's easy to see Christians that are formed only by the New Testament, passages that they like, that are easy, that are more palatable, versus Christians that are formed by and large by the whole corpus and porpoise of scripture. That's easy because you, you can, I think the depth of understanding of who God is really flourishes when you push yourself to persevere in these more challenging aspects of redemption history, which is another really compelling reason. So there's two right there. Number one, you can learn more about who God is. Not not a single Christian can be fully mature apart from the full corpus of the word of God. And you need Leviticus. You need, you need uh, Chronicles. You need books that are hard. You need Song of Solomon. Even you need it all. Ezekiel. Ezekiel. You need that temple. So to understand who God is, you need all of God's word. If you want to learn who he is, you, you got to have everything that he gives you, including, and especially perhaps Leviticus. But secondly, you also grow an understanding of redemption, redemption history, how God has written the story of our salvation. And if God paid such a high price for us, it benefits us and it honors God for us to go through all that he talks to us about it. And so that's why we stay in this. All scripture is, you, you quoted it. Uh, breathed out by God, but it's profitable. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man and woman of of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. If you want to be complete, you got to read the complete thing and get it all inside of you.
0: Yeah, and and you may be thinking to yourself,
1: okay, but, you know,
0: what, what, what? it's boring.
1: <laughs> hey, I thought I was the bad cop here. That's my job. Yeah, well, you are the
0: bad cop, but I'm I'm, I'm going schizophrenic <laughs> okay. on everybody. I'm going to be both for a second. Jekyll and Hyde right here. This was included by God for a purpose, and you may be thinking, well, wasn't the Bible just compiled at some council? I heard that it was like 325 AD, and that's when the, the, the Bible was put together. Yeah, Constantine put the Bible together. Right, and here's, to, to correct that thought, there was not a council of men or any individual man that, that got together and said, I want these books in the Bible, and so I'm going to put the companion. together compendium together and this the is the Bible. Yeah. Here's your sixty-six books. This is what I've decided. Uh, they what they they did there is they ratified the books that were by and large already accepted as authoritative by the church. By the church, yeah. Which they inherited from their predecessors who came before them in the Old Testament era too. So these are books that were already held and considered to be Authoritative, And so when we look at Leviticus, the the, the early church was versed in Leviticus because it was part of the Torah. It was part of the law of God. And and that was held to be an authoritative work in the Old Testament. There were other things that were written during the Old Testament that we don't have in our Bibles. And Mm -hmm. there was a reason for that because they weren't considered binding or authoritative for the people of Israel. This was, and so we have it today. Yeah. (laughs) The Deuterocanonical books. Right. Yeah. Yeah. During the intertestamental period, there was a lot of writings during that time that uh, weren't accepted for various reasons. And maybe that's a, Maybe that's our February 29th podcast. Maybe we talk about the, the canon mm. on the 29th Boom. on leap day. That'd be explosive. That'd be great, man. So much to get into and all that. But just know this is here because God wants it here. And it's not here because somebody was like, I'm going to make people suffer by throwing this book in there. <laughs> um, it has value to us. And so does Deuteronomy. And so does numbers. And so keep going and keep reading. And we keep on saying this. And it's important for you to remember when we read the Old Testament, we're
1: reading Jesus Bible this is what yeah. Jesus read. This yeah. is what he memorized. This is what Jesus used when he was fighting against the devil in the desert. When he was suffering his temptation, he quoted scripture and he was quoting out of the Pentateuch. Yep. So we get a chance to read some of the things that Jesus read and be, be amazed by some of the things that we read. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, let's do that in Leviticus 19 and 20 and 21. All right. Leviticus 19, my title for it. You ready for this? Okay. Think Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Nope. Won't you be my neighbor? Oh, okay. Won't you be my neighbor? That's uh, what I've titled this section, which is not anything
1: significant. Did you know about. that Mr. Rogers was a Presbyterian?
0: Uh, so he was a baby baptizer. Uh, well, I.
1: <laughs> okay. I, it's, as far as I know, he was a conservative Christian, which is You're, part what drove his... Right.
0: Baby. I wasn't implying that, 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 that our Presbyterian
1: <laughs> brothers are not. I'm just saying... <laughs> So he was a baby baptizer. Insert Ah, insert the music. Get off my
0: theological lawn. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of theology, like we did yesterday. Yeah, I had heard that he was a a believer, and I think I I had heard somewhere that he was a Presbyterian. That's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. But won't you be my neighbor? And uh, subtitle holiness means whole enus. Whole being w h o l e enus. So not that it it's just that it has to do with. How we approach the Lord in worship, but it has to do with our relationships with one another, and, right. and it's fully orbed. Uh, verses two through eight uh, kind of focused, though, speaking of worship, on worship and some categories of worship here. And so this is about being holy in our approach, holy in worship. And we get the line here, and this is the standard. And then uh, pay attention to this as we move through the next handful of chapters how many times the Lord appeals to himself and his identity as to why the people of Israel should obey. Because here in Leviticus 19.2, it says this, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Boom, you've heard that. Uh, Peter reiterates that for Mm -hmm. the New Testament church and says that that's our obligation as well. That's that's right. Jesus even paraphrases this when he says, you shall be perfect as your heavenly father Mm -hmm. is perfect. it's an impossible standard and that is the, the the reality that we need to face with the gospel and that's part of what the law was there to do is to lead people to say this isn't possible and that's why the Old Testament sacrificial system was provided to remind the people that though you can't do this God has made a way for you to be forgiven it's ultimately pointing to Jesus again there but this is the foundation you should be holy why well because God is holy and that's, that's the drive. That's the focus. That's the foundation of our pursuit of holiness. Yeah. And
1: just to reiterate too, we're, we're, just because we'll never reach that standard doesn't mean we shouldn't aspire to reach it with an sure. aggressive Approach, so our, our old church, our old pastor used to say that we should pursue aggressive sanctification. And I think that's very appropriate. Again, Peter reiterates this in First yep. Peter chapter one. He says that we should be holy as he is holy. So this whole, this whole idea here of wholeness and holiness is very very important for the Christian today. Even the Christian who's reading it today on February twenty twenty four. What day?
0: What day is today? It's the nineteenth. That's the what 19th. I said. I says I said that. Did you? I. Said something. Okay. Or even, yeah, you brought Peter, even Hebrews twelve fourteen, when the writer says, strive for holiness without which no one will, no see, the Lord. will see the Lord. Strive for, agonize for, g- pursue it. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it is a command. We should be doing this. So great point there. Verses 11 through 18, then this is kind of breaking down. Here's how you should interact with each other. How to neighbor, basically. Um, and uh, one thing that I just highlighted over and over and over again is the phrase, you shall not. And so if you just go through your Bibles and and mark how many times it says, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not. And it goes from this chapter into the chapters that are in front of us as well. But these are prohibitive commands. In other words, this is the Lord saying, I'm setting up boundaries. This is what I don't want you to transgress. These are the things you should not do. But again, notice here it is in verse 12, in verse 14, in verse 16, in verse 18. Notice how every single one of those verses ends. I am the Lord. Why does he end it with that? It's not that, that the people have a short term memory problem. It's that he's appealing back to verse two of chapter 19. Mm-hmm. You, you should not do all these things because all these things are transgressing holiness and I am the Lord and I am holy as part of my inherent identity.
1: Yeah. I, I, I love this uh, section and we're going to see this again, but he talks to, uh, one of the ways that we neighbor being that we don't harvest our whole field, um, if you see here, you shall, uh, verse 10, you shall not strip that your vineyard bare. neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for your sojourner. You shall leave them. Uh, I'm the Lord, he says. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. That's important for us today as we think about charity. So we think about how to serve the poor. This doesn't tell us everything, but it does tell us something. Work even for the poor and the sojourner was appropriate. The handout was not a freebie, as in no strings attached. Here you go. It was here. I'm I'm gonna leave some of my field so that you can harvest. You can work it and find the dignity in work, and find the value in in earning your keep, however small that might be. So I think that's instructive and incredibly wise on God's part.
0: In fact, uh, this is going to come into play in a few books when we're going to get to it in the book of Ruth. That's right. Because this is what she ends up doing in Boaz's field. She goes and begins to glean. And because Boaz was a righteous man, that's one of the evidences of his righteousness here. He's abiding by this Levitical law that we're reading right now in this chapter of Leviticus. That's right. Yeah. All right. Chapters, uh, chapter 19 verses 19 through 37. Then we get into uh, some additional matters here. And again, the repeated rephrases, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not. And, um, verses 20 through 22, uh, you, you get a, a situation here with a, a man and his slave woman. Um, I was reading on this because this is a unique situation because if this woman had been betrothed, if, in other words, if, if she'd been formally betrothed to somebody else, she's been promised. But but uh, one of the commentaries, uh, Jay Sklar, that I was reading said this is likely that she was not actually betrothed because then both of them would have been put to death for the sin of adultery mm. uh, because that betrothal was as good as, in the eyes of the law, the marriage. And so she's been promised. So this is fornication, not adultery. So the penalty here, thus, is not death, but that these two should then go and be married. Gotta get hitched. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I wanna notice a frame here. Uh in verse eighteen, uh he says Uh, So among all the you shall not, he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. And you'll see in the end of verse 34 here, he repeats the same thing. You have treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. So again, you're seeing framing here uh, that helps us to put this in in context of what's God trying to teach us. He's trying to teach us how to love our neighbors. And this, of course, you know, carries over into the New Testament for the Christians. Our our call is to love the Lord, our God with all our hearts, all mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself we get that from here
0: leviticus yep which again is why you should keep reading why you should keep keep reading reading. leviticus yeah Mm -hmm. great point thanks for bringing that up i didn't mean to skip over that uh let's talk about chapter 19 verse 28 Pastor rod tattoos man what if what if i'm listening to this right now and i happen to have a tattoo i i do i I, have i have two of them i don't not because i ever was like one there. No, I'm I can good. hook you up, man. Prison tattoo. Yeah, that's how I a got a my first and
1: start. one. Start. I wasn't in prison, but that's how I got my first one. Got prison style tattoo. Okay, <laughs> hold on. We need that story. We're going to have to just wait. I was in high school. Okay. And I was on the cusp of my 18th birthday. And I had a friend yeah? through another friend who was like, hey, man, I got a tattoo gun. I can hook you up. And I said, okay, let's
0: do that. So we went to my garage. And he did it. This is one of the situations where the prefrontal cortex has not been fully formed. I, I lament that
1: day. <laughs> if I was going to, I wish I would have thought a lot longer about what I was going to put on my body for the rest of my life. Yeah. And you know, if there ever was an opportunity for me to get it removed yeah. uh, for a cheap price, I, I would be interested in that. Yeah. Probably not, but it's, it's always a good reminder. Maybe somebody there. listening Maybe has do it. an undoing gun. <laughs> an undoing gun. Laurie yeah. Mayer. She probably has one (laughs) side hustle. (laughs) I
0: I don't think, I don't think Lori's doing tattoo removal as a side hustle. You never know, man. You never know. She's going to show up at church on Sunday next week. She's going to have her her apron and her like (laughs) laser glasses on. She could be ready to go, man.
1: So uh, I, I don't. Okay. So clearly the prohibition here is not against tattoos forever and for always. But clearly at this point in Israel's history, tattoos were usually a mark of some kind of allegiance to a false foreign deity. So today, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's necessarily a wise thing for a Christian to do. I, again, I, I, I regret both of my tattoos, even though one was professional and one was in my garage. I don't <laughs> think it's the wisest thing because of what they convey and what they represent. And I mean, I mean, people have other hangups too. And I think there's there's value to this one. The body God gave you is the body God wants you to have. Right. Um, decorating it with different things is you know it's up to you, I suppose, between you and your God but i can see a case to be made to say well yeah probably keep it the way god gave it to you minus things like makeup or you know things that would make sense braces or what have you so i don't know it's a complicated subject but it is. i don't think it's i don't think it's prohibited for a christian today
0: yeah i would agree i think there's this is an area of christian liberty this is a gray area is we might describe it which on that note by the way if you have not taken partners uh our one-on-one oh, One discipleship program connection. um that's a that's one of the chapters that we cover. Is what do we do with these gray areas? How do we approach these things? How do we think biblically about things that don't have clear biblical prohibitions one way or the other? Yeah, uh, even like we were talking about yesterday in the area of theology, this would be a tertiary issue for you. You may have very strong opinions listening to us right now and be shouting through your podcast listening device. Hey, it says right here you should okay. But what we're asking you to do is to understand that this is a law that was given to Israel with specific cultural implications here, right? And it was like, fulfilled. Yeah. If you were to go into the uh, a, a jungle tribe in the Pacific Islands and they were a tribe that practiced tattoos as part of their culture and those tattoos had animistic connections to false religions, like, yeah, you probably, it would be wise for you not to participate in that because what that would communicate but is it the actual act of, of marking your body that's sinful or is it the 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 connotations therein right and i think that's that's where we're saying hey i think there's room to be charitable on this and i guess that's that's probably given where it's
1: found here in, in leviticus 19 probably the best question is how, does this love my, night, my late <laughs> Try this again. Does this love my neighbor? Right. Is this tattoo an act of love for them? Is anyone going to be stumbled by it? Does it hurt anybody? Which is one of the questions and in, in partners. Uh, I think that's a helpful question, a helpful framing.
0: Do I love my neighbor through the the use of this thing, whatever that happens to be? Yeah, yeah. The next prohibition is pretty straightforward, and, and I think all of us would be still on on par, par with that one. The uh, do not uh, profane your daughter by making her a prostitute. I think that one carries over. Not a gray area.
1: N- well, yeah, not a, not gray at all. No, not gray at all. But yeah. speaking of gray. Should we stand up in the in the presence of an old person? I mean, someone who has gray hair. Should I stand up in their presence? I'm just saying, the older I get, the grayer you look. Y- yep. Do yep. you want me to stand up every time you come in the office? I now? mean,
0: <laughs> I what? what no. if I don't hear you come in? No. And, and again, this is a, a cultural thing that was part of what they did, and, and the the principle behind it. What's the principle behind it? The principle behind it is showing the respect and the honor due to those that are that are older. And I think there's something that's good about that. I agree, man. I, I'm all. I, I think. In Texas, the sirs and the ma'ams, man, I'm all about
1: that. I, I love that. Yeah. I wish we started that way earlier. I wish California had it.
0: Yeah. I miss it. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good for sure. Anything else in chapter 19 before we jump to, to chapter 20 there? Let's do it. It's just 20 it is. Okay. Chapter 20 then, we have uh, this chapter again calling for a difference from the nations. And initially here, he he, he starts out by identifying a couple of areas here. Uh, first, the the issue of Molech. Molech was an awful, awful God that we've talked about before on the podcast. I don't know if we've hit him this year. I know we talked last year about him because he came up in the prophets. You can never talk too much about Molech. Yeah. So uh, parents, just... Our favorite villain, yeah. This one might be one that you want to preview again, parents, just as a, a heads up. There, um, the the practice was a, a brass statue of this god, or a metal statue, bronze maybe, uh, that was placed in a ring of stones that fire was piled up around, and then this the the fire was lit and the statue was heated till it was glowing red and the, the parents would come and they would take their their children their infants and place them in the glowing red arms of this god this this false god this molech uh, that's that's what's going on here detestable horrific awful skin crawling Rage-inducing as this, though this is that, thats why God felt this way about this as well, and uh, why it's—it's it, it's an absolutely horrific thing, and God is saying this has no place in my people's lives at all. I found it very interesting
1: that there is moral culpability for people who do not stop the man or or right. don't apprehend the man who's giving his kid to the demon. Worship, yeah. So I think that's instructive for us today. It's it's uh, there's such a thing called good neighbor laws that protect you if you try to do something good Well, in the interim you accidentally hurt somebody. Uh, I think there's there's something to be said about that from the from the scriptures here. We should aspire to do good even if that means putting ourselves in harm's way. And I think this is one of the evidences for that. They were expected to stop him. He says in verse four, if the people of the land do at all close their eyes to that man when he gives one of his children to Molech and do not put him to death, then, verse five, I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from among their people, him and all who follow
0: him in his following after Molech. Yeah, I think that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's there's prohibition against that for clear reasons. Also, verse six, against divination, necromancy, consulting mediums. Uh, We're gonna see Saul and the witch of Endor when we get into Samuel. Um, and so this was a problem. I mean, people were going after and trying to find out the will of the Lord by not seeking after Him, but by going to other means and, and engaging in the occult and witchcraft and other things. And God said, "There's no place for this with my people." Remember, these are the things that were happening in the nations, in the land to which they were going. And so God is preparing them ahead of time, saying, "Make sure that you don't follow in their footsteps." Uh, verses seven through eight, uh, we get this interjection of a reminder of why they were to be different and holy. Again, why? Because. God is holy. And so again, this, this rhythmic pattern here that shows up of, of God saying, you shall be holy for I am holy there. Uh, verses 9 through 21, then we get holiness in the family. And again, this has to do with the concept of sexual immorality. And as he goes through here and lists, again, a lot of these different uh, sins that that have to do with those familial relationships here. Notice the the phrase that's found in almost every single one, which is "put to death," "put to death," "put to death." Verse fourteen, "burned with fire." Right? This is what is this telling us? This ta- tells us that God takes this category of sin very seriously in the life of His people, and and it still does today. Yeah, you see, you see
1: again here in verse thirteen, uh, some of the topics that we've covered already, uh, it makes a reappearance here. Uh, you, you also notice that. It says here at the ver- at the end of verse 16 that their blood is upon them. In other words, people who give themselves over to these practices are essentially taking their lives in their own hands and basically forfeiting it. So there's an evidence there uh, of their moral culpability, their awareness that this is going to be the death sentence if I do these things. I also want to point out here in verse 9, um, notice notice what it says here. Anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Mm. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, what, what a different way of approaching parental authority than, than it is today. Yeah. Mouthing off to your parents in public or saying certain things. I mean, it's just such a different way of thinking. And I think this relates to what we just saw a few passages ago, where it's like you stand up and when the gray hair, great person walks in, you stand up, you pay them the respect that they're owed. Uh, God's economy, his family economy was one where honor, was held in high esteem, so to speak. And
0: that's never more evident than, hey, if you curse your parents, you're gonna die. That's huge. Yeah, huge, absolutely. And and let's let's talk to the men for a second in this. Men, if if your children do not respect your wife, that is a massive problem. And that's one that, that you've got to step up and lead and make the correction on that. If you find that your kids are cutting her off and interrupting what she's saying and talking back to her more than they are listening and obeying to what she's saying, hey, you need to step in and say that that's not going to happen. We're not going to do this. This is not how we operate. Mm. And you need to establish the pattern of respect for her. Your authority in that it goes a, a long way. And you can't sit there and say, well… You know, I don't know why they listen to me, honey, but they won't listen to you. No, it's time for you to step up and defend your wife in front of your kids and establish the respect that she's due. Your allegiance is to her more than it is to them thinking that you're the cool parent. Um, And so, yeah, this is an area where I think parenting, being a good dad, these are our our key areas to help us correct some of this in the the culture today. Fiery, bro. Yeah, well. Amen.
1: I'm all about that. Yeah, I feel it. I'm with you. Yeah. Double stamp it. No erases.
0: (laughs) You can't. (laughs) Never mind. All right, Leviticus 21, how priests must be holy. How priests must be holy. Uh, yeah, laws on mourning and marrying uh, for the, the regular priests in verses 1 through 9 and then the high priest in verses 10 through 15 there. Uh, here's how you should mourn the loss of somebody, and here's your rules for, for marrying somebody. Uh, interesting that for the high priest, the high priest was not allowed to marry a widow or somebody who had been divorced, regardless of the, the reasons for that divorce there. And so that's uh, that's something that that separated the high priest out as distinct and and uh, and uniquely holy, even from the rest of the priests that were there.
1: Yeah, super interesting that this whole this whole chapter. And of course, I, I, there's a there's a, a a verse in this chapter
0: that is interesting to say the least. Are we going to talk about it? What verse are you talking about? <sighs> verse twenty. <laughs> Let me get there. Hold on.
1: Okay, so the <laughs> I, did you forget we read this? I did, man. So this whole chapter is talking about the kind of person that's, well, I mean, there's lots of this, but talking about the kind of person that can approach the Lord. Here you have an odd, like, where is this even coming from? Why does this even make an appearance in the first place? Could you please talk about that? I know they're thinking
0: about it. You were the one that was
1: super excited. I brought it up for you. I was thinking, okay, Pastor Pete, he's the pastor of the church. He's going to have to talk about this. Okay. So go back to the concept of our holiness and our wholeness, normality, uh, holiness, the approachability between us and God in part is represented by our physical acceptability. I mean, this verse 20 uh, is also true for animals. It's not just for humans approaching God. It's for animals that are worthy to be sacrificed. This couldn't be, uh, this, this couldn't be a defect that they had either. So in God's old economy under the old covenant, Through Moses, they had to be physically acceptable to enter into his presence, and anything less than that was considered inappropriate.
0: Right, right, for, right, yeah. For the priests. For the the priests. This is not to say that that these people were excluded from the worship of God. They they weren't, this is not like lepers that are cast out of the community and they can't approach God at all. Well, okay, so
1: I have a question about that. Granted, we're going to get there eventually. Deuteronomy 23, verse 1. No one whose male parts are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I wondered if that meant the assembly as in the people of Israel, like, hey, you're, you're you're cut off in, in a literal sense. And in a metaphorical sense, you, you can't be part of the people of God. Um, or if, because we are talking about the priest here, if this is only talking about the priests themselves and I, I have a suspicion that I, I think it might carry greater weight than simply those who are called to offer the sacrifices.
0: Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it, it, you might be wondering how common was this? <laughs> um, yeah, that is a great point. Yeah. I mean, it, it probably more so than you might think the, the, the concept of the eunuchs, in uh, in we get that in situations in Babylon and in other nations too, the eunuchs were often those that were uh emasculated in some sense or another, um, and they were given charge over the king's harem so that the king didn't have to worry about a competitive male you know being around all of his, his right. women. Um, so again, how often was this a problem for the people of Israel? I, I, I don't know, your guess is as good as mine, but if the stranger or foreigner happened to want to become part of the people of Israel uh, and happen to have been a former eunuch, then man, we've, we've, we've got a situation here. And what, what is the answer? I I don't know. The answer is Jesus.
1: (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Well, look at verse 16 too. speak to the, speak to Aaron saying, none of your offspring throughout their generations who has any blemish may approach God to offer bread to his God. So this is clearly for the priests here in this section, right? Uh, So again, it's it's restricted at least here. We'll get to Deuteronomy when we get to Deuteronomy. But for now, let's just say this is for the priests. Those who offered the sacrifices to God had to be physically acceptable, which is why our great high priest was the blemish-free, spotless lamb of God and his
0: acceptability is our acceptability. Praise God. Yeah, amen, amen. Well, hey, uh, that wraps up today's episode. Keep (laughs) reading your Bibles and uh, what a a way to end. And we will catch you guys tomorrow as we keep reading Leviticus. Bye, y'all. Bye.